Welcome to Midweek, a place where we dive deep into Scripture. So grab your Bible, a pen, and a notebook, and get ready to study God's Word. Okay, so we're going to begin um, Daniel tonight, and uh, Daniel chapter 1, obviously we're going to go there and begin right there. And tonight I've titled it, um, Satan Goes After the Children. Now I need to make this statement before I do my formal introduction here. Um, because it's Tuesday, it's Tuesday night study, it's not Sunday morning, you're all believers here, you're all not going to hate me after the Bible study and stuff like that, but I'm going to use the word use the word stupid quite a bit tonight, just so you know, okay? And you're going to see why I'm going to use it later on, because I just think we live in a stupid society, okay? So just so you know, I said it, but I'm going to use it. In, okay. Let me say that again. No, I'm just joking. So with that said, just, just know, but Satan goes after our children. That's my, the idea. We'll get there when we get there about that right there. Now, I, I really do enjoy um, teaching end times prophecy. I, really, I haven't studied it like I used to study it uh, because I have, there's so many different things I have to teach Sunday morning, the, the men's breakfast and Elijah tonight, but I, but I do enjoy it a lot. So Daniel is filled, and as you see, if you stay with us, there's so much prophecy in, in this book, and it's incredible how precise he is about history, which is coming in the future for him, but if we look at it in, in retrospect. Now, the, there's two documents that are filled with end-time prophecy, and that's Revelation and that's Daniel. What Revelation is to the New Testament, Daniel is to the Old Testament. And one of the things about Daniel that you have to always remember too is that, um, is that Jesus, he, um, he quotes from Daniel, which means he, he, he recognized this as an authentic scripture, authentic person who really lived. In Matthew 24, 15, Jesus talks about the abomination of desolation, let the reader understand. And that verse right there, which we find also in Daniel, Jesus quotes it from Daniel chapter 9, um, that's talking about when the Antichrist, it's an end times verse during the great seven-year tribulation, when the Antichrist, who has now already helped the Jews rebuild the temple, the raptures happen, great seven-year tribulation, three and a half years, everything's been cool on planet Earth, we're not here, and then the Antichrist shows his true colors, and he walks into the temple, and he declares himself as God. And the Jews, knows they've, Jews know they've been had. They will flee because now he's going to go after them. They will flee to Petra. We've been to Petra. We've seen those things there. And uh, Petra, anybody else been to Petra? I can't, I know all, everybody here has been to Petra. But yeah, it's an interesting place where the Jews will run to. So, uh, so Jesus, when he uh, quotes that verse, he gives credibility to this uh, book of Daniel. Now, let me give you some background on Babylon where Nebuchadnezzar, where Daniel's going to be deported to, uh, because it was a very magnificent city in its day, and you got to think of, you got to give the, show you the grandeur of it, so you understand what Daniel's coming into as a young teenage boy. It was the largest city in the ancient world. Some writers say that it was twenty five hundred acres. It was huge. Okay, um, so if you take that and you compare it to little Jerusalem that Daniel's being deported from. Daniel's coming to some monster city is what he's coming to. So it's really, it's really kind of a big contrast. They've unearthed many, many bricks of ancient Babylon. Nine-tenths of all the bricks that they've unearthed have the name Nebuchadnezzar on those bricks. 
And so we know that Nebuchadnezzar is a true person, Book of Daniel was a true person from history. Now, the city is rectangle in shape, and the Euphrates River runs north to south in that city. And that will be a very important thing, that Euphrates River, later on in the Book of Daniel. It becomes a big player in the book of Daniel. <clears throat> now, the gates of the city, has anyone ever heard of the Ishtar Gate? You ever seen pictures of the Ishtar Gate? Really beautiful gate. They took it down. They got it, I should say. They got the remnants of it. And it's in a, a museum. I think it's in Berlin. Beautiful blue tiles on this Ishtar Gate. It has the lions on there. It's, it's an amazing looking structure. Um, Ishtar was, uh, is, uh, was one of their god- false goddesses. It means light bringer. She's a god of fertility, of love, and of war. And so, and according to the historian Herodotus, disputed by archaeologists, but Herodotus says this, that the walls were 80 feet thick, 320 feet high, 56 miles around. So it's a huge city. I mean, Nineveh's another massive city, but this city is, is just a huge place. It's also in a place called Shinar. Shinar will become a player in tonight's Bible study in a little bit. Shinar is a place where they built the Tower of Babel. And so you're going to see it. But Babylon is not the Tower of Babel. It's two different things right there. But we'll talk more about it. But the Tower of Babel did stand on the place where Babylon in Daniel's time now sits. So it's the same two areas, right? They're the same two places. Now in Babylon... Um, you've heard of the Hanging Tower, Hanging Gardens, I should say. That's one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. That was in Babylon. The, the, the way it goes, the way the story goes, the reason for the Hanging Gardens is because um, the country-born wife of the king missed home, and so they built the Hanging Gardens so she'd feel like she was at home. Can you imagine that? That's quite, quite a build right there just for that. Now, this city... You know, it's like it's kind of like you ever been to a university town like where it's just it's it's like that. In this place, they'd study law, architecture, engineering, medicine, art, astronomy, and astrology. The city itself has over one thousand temples to false gods, specifically one thousand one hundred and ninety-seven temples to false gods. So here comes Daniel, who believes in one God, and there's one temple from he's from, and he's coming to this massive city, and they have all these temples in this polytheistic uh, type of belief system there, and he's just a young 13 to 17-year-old boy being deported away from home, away from family, away from everybody in the city of Babylon. And so he's the guy we're going to follow because he's the instrumental character or person in the story. So here we go. Uh, chapter 1 and verse 1. And... Uh, We're going to cover simply seven verses tonight. And it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, look up. Nebuchadnezzar has just defeated the Egyptians at uh, Karmakesh. Karmakesh, yeah. In 605 BC. So he's coming on his way back. And he starts to conquer different areas. And he comes to these smaller nations like Judah. And he goes after Judah. And he conquers it in 605 BC. He will also conquer it again in 597 BC. He will conquer it again in 586 BC. And in 586 BC, very important historically because when he conquers it the final time, that's when Zedekiah, the last king, will not 
give up to him, and then he finally runs. But uh, last kingdom, I should say, of Judah. Um, he destroys the temple. He just destroys the temple, Solomon's temple. And he leaves it in rubble. And that's where you and I have studied before, where Ezra comes back to rebuild the temple. Then 100 years later after Ezra, we find Nehemiah goes back to rebuild the what? The wall. And so it all was broken down because in 586 B.C., they wouldn't surrender to Nebuchadnezzar and they wouldn't pay him tribute. So he comes and he destroys it all. That was his third invasion of the city of Jerusalem and the area of Judah. So that's what you find right there. Verse 2. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels, say vessels, of the house of God. And he brought them into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of what? Of his God. That's right. Now, notice in verse 2 that we find that uh, Jehoiakim, he didn't just lose a Nebuchadnezzar. God gave him into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, right? So now you see this whole picture that God gives his own people into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, which tells us a few things right there without going into great detail of it. Is God in control of all of history? You better believe he is. But here's the other thing. Daniel is taken in the deportation to Babylon. Can you and I suffer because of another person's disobedience? You better believe we can. And Daniel and the guys are going to suffer because of another person's disobedience. Some of us know that firsthand in our life. But here's another thing. As Daniel writes these things, does he understand that God is in control of everything? You better believe it. So that tells us, did somebody teach Daniel the right way about God, the creator of heaven and earth? And who, who might that be? His mom and dad. And that's a very important thing to remember because here's a guy away from home, guys, remember that. And he's going to have all kinds of pressure thrown at him. Now, number one in your notes. There's a number one there in your notes if you're taking notes. Nebuchadnezzar relativized the absolute. You're going to say, what does that mean? I'll tell you in a second. But I just like the way to say it. Relativized the absolute. Absolute is the fill-in. Let me tell you what it simply means. He made the holy common. He made what was holy just a very common thing, which is something that we know we have seen now as decades going by in America, they are making what's holy common. Amen to that one? And it will be to our own destruction in this nation. Now, he takes the things, he takes the holy vessels, Nebuchadnezzar takes the holy vessels from the temple as he departs and he heads back to Babylon, <clears throat> he's going to put them in his own little temple. His own, he has like a little place where he puts his gods. It's called the treasury of his gods. Now, does anybody here know at least how many vessels from the house of God, the temple of God, that Nebuchadnezzar took? Do you know how many? It's in the Bible. It's in Ezra chapter 1 and verse 1. Because when, when they're allowed to go back and rebuild the temple, when Ezra and the guys go back, it says they took 5,400 of the golden vessels back to the temple. So Nebuchadnezzar takes quite a haul from the temple. But he takes these things, these stolen vessels of God, and he puts them in the temple of his God. And that's what I mean by he took what is holy and he made it common. And he just put it in his temple. He relativized the absolute. In other words, he just demoted God. He made God just like any other thing today. 
Now, <clears throat> that's exactly what people do with God today. They take holy God and they kind of relativize him and make him, demote him, and he's just like all the other gods. Now, it's going to get worse for Daniel. He's being demoted, and he's going to have to make his stands. And next we're going to see how he makes his stand with great wisdom. He's a young man, got a lot of wisdom. But here's what I want you to think about very quickly with this thought right here. Now the vessels of the house of God are taken, and they're brought to Babylon, and they're put in the temple of his God, you know, like nothing. So these are the holy vessels now used for unholy things. That's a picture kind of of our lives, isn't it? That we, the temples of the Holy Spirit, we got to be careful with our own temples, right? We can't use our bodies. We can't use our, the way we are just for unholy things. We can't demote God in our own life. We need to live as temples of the Holy Spirit. We need to grow in those things. Any amens on that one right there? Now, <clears throat> now he uh, puts him in the house of his God. What I've read in times past is that he had kind of like a museum of gods. And that is that when he conquered peoples, he would, um, he, would take, he would take the idols out of these conquered people's temples. He'd bring them back home. He'd put them in his own personal museum of all of his conquered people and all their false gods. But here's the thought. He comes to Jerusalem. He conquers it. He's going to go into the temple. He's going to take the vessels. He goes in there to look for their idols, right? And he goes in there, and what does he find? There are no idols. Do you think he was a little bit shocked over that one? Wait, there's no idols in this place? Now, why aren't there no idols? We know. We can look back at the Ten Commandments. Why are there no idols? Because why? Come on. No other God, and you shall not make any idols? Don't make any graven images. So he goes in that temple there, and he's like, Where are the, where's these idols at? And there are none there, so he has none to take. So he, t- he takes all the, all the vessels that are in that place right there. <clears throat> now, verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles. So they begin deporting the Jews. So he's bringing them back. Does anybody here know how long they will be captives in Babylon? Louder? 70 years. years. Does anybody know why they'll be captive for 70 years? God doesn't just say, 70 years sounds good. No, there's a reason why they will be captives for 70 years. There's a reason why they will be captives, and there's a reason why it will be 70 years. Now, that's point two in your notes, and that's this. God is serious about rest. God is serious about your rest and my rest. Now, keep your little marker right here and turn to your left. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 25. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Go to Leviticus 25. When you're there, say I'm there. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. I think it's in your notes there, 1 through 7. Now watch what God says under the law because these people are living within that time frame dispensation. Verse 1 of chapter 25 of Leviticus. The Lord then spoke to Moses at Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I will give you, which I shall give you, then the land shall have a Sabbath 
to the Lord. Now, is the land supposed to have a rest time? Say yes. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in, it, in its crop. But during the seventh year, the land shall have a Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field nor prune your vineyard. Your harvest after growth you shall not reap. And your grapes of untrimmed vines you shall not gather. In other words, there's no formal reaping, no formal gathering like they would normally do it. The land shall have a sabbatical year. All of you shall have the Sabbath products of the land for food, yourself and your male and female slaves and your hired man and your foreign resident, those who live as aliens with you, even your cattle and the animals that are in your land shall have all its crops to eat. Isn't that wild? Okay, what did it just say? It said for six years you can do what? You keep harvesting, yeah, harvest hard. On the seventh year you're going to do what? Leave it alone. You can't formally harvest it. Can you go and just grab whatever's growing? Yeah. Can anyone go grab whatever's growing on your land? And the answer is yes. Can the animals go out there and just eat up whatever they want? Yeah. And the answer is yes, right? But that seventh year, you just leave the land alone. Everybody gets to take what they want that seventh year. The land, one every seventh year, gets that full year of rest. Okay, let's think about that. Judah has not given the land rest for 490 years at this point in Daniel. When you think of 490 years and every seventh year that lands to have a year of rest, after 490 years, how many years do they owe the land of rest? 70. 70. Isn't that wild? And so God says, you didn't give the land 70, you didn't give it rest. You owe it, four, you owe it 70 years. And so guess what? We're going to fix this problem. And you will be deported. You will be taken. And Zed Zedekiah, the last king, he didn't buy into it at all. And that's why he, he suffers a bad end at Jericho as he's running from Nebuchadnezzar's armies. But, but you've got to give the land rest. So they take, they, they conquer, and they deport them to Babylon, the brightest and the best. That way, you leave the land alone for 70 years. Guys, if God is serious about land getting rest, is he serious about us getting rest? Is he? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, we talked about this about three or four weeks ago here, I think, that God, when he, does, when he creates everything, what does he do on the seventh day? He rests. Question, did God need rest? Was he just tired? Did he say, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't do anymore until I sleep for eight hours? No, he didn't do any of that. He could have kept creating, couldn't he? But he chose to what? He chose to rest. That's right. Why did he choose to rest? To give us an example to follow, correct? And by the way, that's why all of humanity has a seven-day week in which we work and then we have rest. So he, he said he took rest. And he took rest because knuckleheads like me and a few knuckleheads in this room, you think you don't need any rest ever. Any amens on that one? Yeah. But you do. 
Because we're not these automatrons. We need rest. Do you know there's an Old Testament story? I can't remember exactly where it's at off the top of my head. Where they find a man gathering sticks and they, they're going to kill him. You know why they're going to kill him? Because it's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to be gathering sticks on the Sabbath. He's working on the Sabbath. And so why would such an extreme case be there? Because if we don't learn to take a day of rest a week, are we not killing ourselves? And some of us drive ourselves to the ground. It destroys our friendships. It destroys our relationships. We're not refreshed. We can't think like we used to think. We need our rest. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. But how many will really take that one? Okay. Verse 4. Now watch. Youths. So here are the ones they're deporting. Youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, who had ability for serving the king's court, and he ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Now, Daniel has now been deported. Somewhere between 13 to 17 years of age. He's not the only one that's been deported. There are three other young guys that we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So Daniel's one of them. That's their now uh, Babylonian names. But Daniel's name is... Let me just call them the Fab Four, okay? <laughs> that makes it easy for me. <clears throat> you look at the qualities of these Fab Four teenagers right here. Are they the cream of the crop? You better believe they are. They're young. Are they handsome? Yes, well, that's, that's a very interesting thing, is it not? That he wants to find the handsome ones. And that tells you right there that in that culture, image, the way you looked, carries a big deal with it, right? In fact, it's a, it's a huge deal. In our culture right now, is image, the way you look, a big deal? You better believe it. We'll talk more about that next week. So they're handsome. They're physically fit. They're sharp. They're sharp thinkers. Now, and these are the ones that, that the king is picking. So in your notes, bullet point, and that is this. The culture, here we go, because we're going to get into this now. Remember I told you we're going to talk, I'm going to say shut up a lot of time. I mean stupid, or what did I say I was going to say? Not shut up, that's my joke saying, okay. Yeah. Okay, the culture seeks to indoctrinate the next generation. Do they not? Oh yeah, they do, man. Okay. There's nothing new about what we're going to read. If it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. Never, for, never, never forget that one. 2,600 years ago, they're trying to indoctrinate the young teen, teenage boys. <clears throat> I just think we live in a crazy society. And you may disagree with me after it. That's fine. But you'll never change my mind on this. You just will not move me. I've watched more and more that our governing officials and school boards, they're, they're exercising control. I mean, trying to get absolute control over our children's minds. Any, anybody see that? Yes. I mean, yes. you see that right there. They think they know what's best for our kids. Remember the book I showed you a year and a half ago that went on irreversible damage? on the transgender movement by Abigail Shire, who's not even a Christian. But she pointed out it's, that it's a fad. And it is a fad. It's just another demonic fad. And they're, they're misleading young people, especially young girls. 
And they're going to have, in my opinion, tens of thousands of tens of thousands of lawsuits in about 10 years at these people who push them into these things. It's going to come, and I wish it'd come sooner than later, that the lawsuits that is. Um, I'm talking to, I don't know if you're here, maybe you might be, but I'm talking to somebody from church, our church, came up to me about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and they told me, I didn't know about this case, but there's a case out in the Harupa School District where, um, <clears throat> oh wait, let me back up before I say this. Abigail Shire, in her book, when I read it, she states, because she would email the diff- different uh, school boards, and one of the school boards, and she kept the emails, they're in there, man, and one of the school board leaders says that we can't trust the parents, we need to lead the parents on these things. I thought, are you kidding me, man? Are you kidding me? So these teachers come up to me, and I've talked to multiple teachers that come here and, and other teachers. They come up to me after a service, and she points out that in Harupa, one, a female teacher got fired recently. Did anybody read the article? Okay. She gets fired because, you know, in school districts now, that your child can go start transgender, transition stuff, and they don't have to tell the parents at all. That's what they're doing right now. Well, this teacher said, I can't do that. I'm not going to keep the parents uninformed. I'm going to let the parents know they fired her. I'd bring a lawsuit over that one because somewhere this has got to change. But they fired her. And somebody asked me, you're going to bring a, you do a lawsuit? The Bible says, no, the Bible says Christians shouldn't sue Christians. We shouldn't go against each other. Be clear on what the Bible says. Otherwise, you get misinformed and get taken down a rabbit hole. So she's fired. This is not news. You know this happens in Hollywood now, right? If you have conservative values, you get fired. Remember? Anybody watch The Mandalorian? What happened to Gina Carano? Was her name? They found out she, had, she has conservative values. They fired her, man. They fired her. And this is happening more and more. Think about the ridiculous stupidity of our leaders now that you can't have a difference of opinion. Otherwise, if you have different from what we think, you're gone. You're fired. You're not going to work. And there are plenty of people in America that work under that kind of fear right now. My son, he tells me, he goes, my son's a teacher. He goes, I finally just had it. He goes, these seminars are so ridiculous. He goes, and I just started speaking up because they seemed to ask him to go into these big meetings and stuff like that. And, and he goes, I just question it. And they, I could tell they don't like it. They don't like it at all. Can I tell you a funny part of it? Yes. And, and I'm not, I know our society people, that's racist. I'm so sick of that. I said, Nathan, you're Mexican. What are they going to say to you? <laughs> Am I right? Because you and I both know they try to paint white people as the evil people, right? How stupid is that? And then white males, oh, you're the worst. And in all the movies now, if you notice, white males, you're made to look ridiculous. Has anyone noticed that? That really upsets me. It's like, this is, this is so stupid. We are so stupid in our country. Where am I in my notes? I don't even know. because we're so stupid. Okay. Okay, now, now. Let me get back to Daniel because I went off on a lot of a tangent there. Now, why pick young people like Daniel? Why does Nebuchadnezzar and our society, why do they go after the young people to indoctrinate? Why? Because they're not going to go after us older people. Why? We're sitting in our ways. They're not going to trick me. Are you kidding me? 
I'll tell you right now what you're, where you're wrong, and I won't even feel bad. You know, so I'm going to tell you right away. Now, they go after the young kids. This is, can I tell you nothing stupid? Okay. I don't get this. Um, I don't get why people vote this way. They keep voting in people, and they think it's helping them. Why, if they want to help people, why don't they give vouchers for these people in the inner city to get their kids out of terrible schools if they're so for the kids and the people, right? And they won't do it. And people who are dumb keep voting the same people in. And so they keep them right where they want them. Has anyone noticed that at all? Am I the only one thinking it's crazy? Okay, so there's some other people in here that think it's crazy too. So I'm not crazy. Not yet, praise the Lord. Okay, bro, you're on the edge right there. Okay, no, I'm just saying. Okay, now, they go after the young people. They want indoctrinate, make them walk, talk, think like the Babylonians. They want Daniel to think like that. Now, let's look at the specifics of how it's done because what they do here is what they're doing in America and what they've done in countries. It's what Hitler did. It's what they all do. Now, watch this. Watch verse four through seven. You know, I love the Bible because when people disagree with me, I say, yeah, show me where again. Show me where. Because if they're Christians, you better show me something because I can show you. Don't you love it when you have an authority bigger than you and you can stand on that authority? I love that, man. Okay, verse four through seven, watch this. Youths in whom was no defect, who were good looking, remember good looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, who had ability for serving the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the literature, say literature, and language, say language, of the Chaldeans. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank. That becomes big next week. When we see what Daniel does, there's a reason. Daniel's going to say, I can't eat or drink that stuff. And there's a big reason why that is, which plays out next week and then in months to come. It, it, it comes in. Big play. And appointed that they should be educated, say educated, educated, three years at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now, among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the commander of the official assigned new names, say new names. New names. Oh man, they're going all out now, aren't they? Now watch this. To them. And to Daniel he assigned the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Okay, now watch. I have five bullets there for you. And I'm going to go through them quick. This is Nebuchadnezzar's approach, Hitler's approach. It's the approach today. First one, remove them from familiar surroundings. That's the first thing they do. They get deported from Jerusalem. They're in Babylon away from home, away from family, away from their religion, away from everything. Deport them, right? Get them away. That's what our colleges are right now. Send them, they send them off to college, far away from home, and you know what happens. They got them away from home. The second thing is, learn the literature. So the, now they learn the literature of the land. This is the culture. We're going to learn the cultural ways now of Babylon. We're going to teach you the cultural ways now, the way America should be, the America we want it to be. In other words, same-sex marriage is fine, transgenderism is fine, um, um, sex outside of marriage is fine, etc., etc., etc. Am I right? That's what they do. They're going to teach you the whole new culture. This is the way now. The third bullet point is replace their language. 
That's what they do. Now they're being taught the Chaldean language. No more Hebrew. Don't speak Hebrew. You speak this language. Now, sidebar, just so you don't mistake me. You're in America. You want to be here? Learn American. Learn English. I'm an American, okay? That was a weak amen, by the way. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid here, all right? <laughs> We're in America. Speak English. Okay. You can't get mad at me. That, that wasn't my wife, was it? Now, the fourth thing is change. They change their thinking. They change their thinking. They re-educate them for how many years? Three years. They're really going after it, aren't they? And then, fifthly, identity reset. They reset the identity. They remove the Hebrew names and they give them Babylonian names. Okay, let's get back to this whole idea far from home. This is what happens today. You take an 18-year-old, goes off to college, not a Christian college, far from home. He starts taking classes. This person has grown up in church and now they're bombarded because I remember I went back to college in my early 30s which is like 89, 88, somewhere in there and you know, you start to hear this it's like they really don't believe in any God around here, man. But it's worse now. So they go far away from home they get away from family and now they have these professors pounding away, pounding away. There is no God. Evolution is true, etc., etc., etc. And they pound away and pound away. And these are the institutions that were once started on biblical principles by God-fearing people. Any amens on that one? That's how they were started, guys. Go back and read your history. That's how they were started. And now these institutions have devolved into blind institutions with overpriced indoctrination. Right? That's one of the biggest rip-offs today. They'll get you in debt for the rest of your life. Here's one that gets me. They teach in these campuses there's no absolute truth, right? Absolutely. If there's no absolute truth, then what am I paying for? You ever thought about that? If there's no absolute truth, what is a young person paying for on a college campus then? If there's no truth anymore. Isn't that weird? All you have to do is listen to what people say and they will bury themselves if you listen to their logic. If there's no absolute truth, then what am I paying for? So I'm talking to a teacher. And, um, and I know the stats because I, I read them. I keep, try to keep up on the stuff. But, I mean, the, the levels of reading and math, they're just in the dumps. How, who knows that? Yes. It's in the dumps, man. It's bad. It's bad. But what do our school systems do to try to fix that? They lower the standards. The stand, they do. They lower the standards. And they're just pushing people through. And people can't read at the level they should read. They can't do math. They can't do these things whatsoever. You say, that's not true. Go talk to some teachers. Because I have. They lower the standards. And you know why. I won't mention it, but you know why they lower these things. Now, Daniel 
is in Babylon, and they're re-educating him. And they're slamming him with this and slamming him with the culture and slamming him with the language and slamming him with a new name, new identity. And the question is, will he succumb to three, three years of, of brainwashing? Let me give you a better question. Could your kid survive the brainwashing? That's a better question, right? Because that's what they're going to face. They're going to face that brainwashing. I, I just don't get it. I don't understand this in Christian lives. You've watched me do child dedications many times, right? About half those people, just being honest with you, that's about the only time you'll ever see them. And I know that. Because they think, oh, okay, I did the Christian thing now. And they, they don't come back, they don't, raise their, they don't raise their kids in church. And their kids get indoctrinated by the culture. And I'm thinking... You just don't realize what you're setting everything up for here. You need to get in here. I don't get it. People just watching from home, they're not bringing their kids into a fellowship environment. What are you doing? You have one chance in their life for them to grow up and be trained correctly to face the onslaught of lies they will face in life. You get one chance. You gotta train them right. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, now, let's get into the names. They changed the identity. I didn't say stupid that many times, did I? I can add some more. If you now, watch the identity. Now, watch this. This is, this is amazing. Daniel, his name means, you don't have to look at your note in there. Daniel, his name means God is judge. They changed his name to Belteshazzar which means may Bel, B-E-L, protect his life. Bel is one of their false gods. Let's continue with the Fab Four. Hananiah, his name means Yahweh is gracious. They changed his name to Shadrach, which means command of Aku. Aku is the moon god of the Babylonians. Mishael, who is, his name means who is what God is. They changed it to Meshach, which means who is like Aku, one of their false gods. Azariah, his name means whom Yahweh helps. They changed the name to Abednego, which means servant of Nabu. Nabu is a form of Nebuchadnezzar, and so it's another false god. Now, think of what they just did there. They, every one of those fab four young men, in their name, they have the name of true Yahweh God in their name. They take away the name of Yahweh God and they give him a Babylonian name that has the name of one of the false gods of the Babylonians in it. Did you catch that? It's exactly, that's what they're doing here. And that's what we call social engineering. You're trying to make everybody think the same, be the same. You're not going to think outside the box. And that leads to what we have today, which dumbs down society, political correctness. You just have to think like us. And if you speak up, you just need to shut up, okay? You follow me so far? That, that's what they do. That's what they do. Because we want you to not make waves. Don't make... You know what cracks me up? This just cracks me up. I, I was like... You guys know Bill Maher, right? He's like Mr. Extreme Liberal, right? I mean, this guy, he hates conservatives. I mean, no, he he'll may tell you. He'll tell you straight. Have you anybody seen him lately? What he's saying now? And he's not conservative. He's not going to be a Christian. Look, 
I, I know from firsthand personal experience with somebody else that his brother died of cancer. His brother was a Christian, and Bill Maher didn't even go to the funeral. I know where the funeral is at. I know the whole thing. He didn't even go, so he doesn't care about Christianity. But he's standing up and talking about how ridiculous, how dumb we are now in America with everything that's going on, all this crazy thinking. I mean, I used to, I would never listen to him. Sometimes I go, I just got to hear him right now. Because he's speaking out, and, he, and he's got guts to say these things, and, and I'm glad he does. He's against political... Let me tell you what political correctness does. <clears throat> it makes us stupid. Because there's no debate. There's no dialogue. You just social engineer, you be quiet, we're all the same, you think the same, and that's it. That's the dumbing down of society. Now... <clears throat> You know what's interesting? They changed Daniel's name, but they really couldn't change his identity, could they? They they could not change that young man's. And and historically, uh, we were talking about it earlier with somebody. We were talking, I think, yeah, with you, Phyllis. Here's this guy. They're trying to social engineer him, change everything. Do you know that he outlives the Babylonian Empire? He outlives it. It's conquered by the Persians, and I think in Daniel chapter 5, he outlives the Babylonian Empire. In 539 B.C., he's still alive when he gets conquered. Now, let, let, let me, I'm going to close, and then I'm going to close, close, okay? Is that okay? Yeah. Myrna, you like when I speak longer, right? She always tells me that in the AV room. Okay, good. And I always use that against the staff when they don't want me to speak longer, okay? So. Now, <clears throat> I want you to think identity. They, they reset the identity of the Fab Four. <clears throat> They're doing this all over the place. Eh? Resetting identity. Look at verse 2. Where's Babylon? What area? What does it say? Where? He's in Shinar. Okay, remember Shinar. Now, you, we're, not, we're not coming back to Daniel. Okay, Turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 11. So Babylon is in Shinar. Let's go to Genesis 11. This is the close, and then I'll get to the close close. Shinar. Now let's read about the Tower of Babel. Now watch this. Chapter 11 of Genesis, I'm going to read 1, 2, 3, and 4. It says, Now the whole earth used the same language, Genesis 11, and the same words. Man, I could really go off on that one, but I won't want to no time. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. They said, here's what they say to themselves, Come, let us build for ourselves a city. And a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make for ourselves a louder, a what? A name. Hmm. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Okay, where was the Tower of Babel built again? What area? Shinar. Where was Babylon at? Shinar. Tower of Babel is destroyed completely. Centuries later, Babylon is built on the same spot right there. Now... As they build the Tower of Babel and build their city, what do they want to make for themselves? A what? 
Oh, it's identity again, right? 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 Identity is important in these Babylonian areas, right? They're good looking. Identity, everything's real important here. So they're going to make a name for themselves. Everybody looks for identity. Everybody looks for me. Nothing wrong with that. But it's how you look for it. It's what you look for it in. That's where it really matters. Okay, now, let's take this. Watch this contrast immediately in Genesis. If you've never seen it before, just check this out. Look at chapter 12. One through three. This is Abraham now. Watch the contrast. Now the Lord said to Abram, because his name's not Abraham yet, it's Abram. Ham means people. He'll be the father, Abram, Avi, father, Abraham, father of the peoples. He doesn't, he doesn't have kids yet, but he'll be, he'll be the father of the peoples. Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name what? Great. I'll make your name great. Oh. And, you sh- and so you shall be a blessing. And I always like from that to say, we're blessed to be a what? Blessing. Say it louder. We're blessed to be a blessing. blessing. Don't forget that about your life or else the blessing of God stops flowing like it could. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now let's go back to verse 2. She says, I will make your name great. Wow. This is the great truth right here. In Babel, they're trying to make their own identity and their own name, right? When we eliminate God and try to make our own name and our own identity apart from God, we misfire all over the place, don't we? And that's society right now. They're misfiring everywhere. And we become susceptible to society's indoctrination because we haven't drawn our identity from God, who's the only one who can give us purpose, reason, and identity. We just jump into the latest fads. And our kids need to understand that their identity is in God and nothing else. Now, isn't it fascinating that they try to make a name in chapter 11 and God says, I'll make your name great. Chapter 12. I like that. Now, that's my clothes. Can I give you my clothes clothes? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> it's written here. It says clothes clothes. It just, I just think it's interesting. It just, it's our life. Okay, so. <clears throat> Abraham, God says, leave your family, right? You know where he's leaving? Ur of the Chaldees, the Chaldean area. It's where Babylon area, Babel. He's an idol worshiper. God calls him. Leave there and you're going to go to what we know now as the promised land, Canaan's land, right? Okay. So in a sense, it's a picture of you and I. We get saved. And we leave. Ur of the Chaldees means flame of destruction. We leave the old ways behind. We go to the promised land. <clears throat> he, he crosses across the, the fertile crescent, the Euphrates River, and that's what Hebrews mean. He's the first Hebrew. It means he crossed over. It's a, it's a simple answer. He becomes the first Christian, first believer in Yahweh, not Christian. Okay. Then we have Daniel come along, you know, about, about 1,300 years later, 1,350 years later. And um, Daniel's in Judah. He's in Israel. And Daniel, who's a believer in Yahweh already, right? God sends him out of there to go into Babylon. 
Do you catch that? If you put the two together, isn't that a picture of the Christian life? We've been called out of the flame of destruction to leave the old way behind. We come and we live in a sense in the in the promises of God, in the promised land. But that's not all there is, huh? Because God turns around and then he sends us back to go into Babylon and to be a light and a witness to this world for Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Okay, that's my close close. So let me give you this, this question, big question here. This has nothing to do with what I just said. Will these teens, the Fab Four, will they bend to indoctrination? And next week we find that out. So let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. God, we know, we see spiritually, we see what's happening in our nation and we need to be firm in our stances. We need to keep praying for our nation. God, we need to pray that people's eyes would open and I, we pray, my wife and I pray regularly every night that the young, there would be a wave of salvation across America in young people that they would rise up by the millions as Bible-believing people with traditional moral values and turn this country the right way, that they wouldn't stand for the insanity that we're seeing. But we know that Satan goes after the kids. We know he goes after the kids. So we pray protection upon those kids, our kids, the kids in this area, the kids across the country. We just pray from God. I pray for young people right now, especially young girls who are being talked into this transgenderism as we speak, as we pray. Stop that, Lord. I pray you stop that. Don't let them make the biggest mistake of their life thinking that's their identity when they don't know who they are because they don't know God. Jesus, we thank you. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media on Facebook and Instagram at NBCCNorco or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.